Patrons, welcome back to another Bunga Cast Reading Club, the penultimate reading club of the 2022 series. Uh, this is the second one on neo feudalism or techno feudalism with an emphasis on the techno. We'll come to that in just a second because we're going to start off by discussing your uh, comments from the last one. Uh, just to remind you, the last one was on the coming of neo feudalism by Joel Kotkin. Um, but firstly, hello, George. Hello, Phil. Hey. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. We're all very blue today, and and but in a good way, in a happy way. Um, we've all got these blue backgrounds on, which makes us look like floating uh, orb heads in blue space. Um, just to conjure up the it's kind pretty of good feeling. I, I think it's appropriate as we're going to be discussing artificial intelligence. Um, emphasis on the artificial, maybe not so much the intelligence, but anyway, that's to be seen. Um. On the last reading club, uh, which came out on the 4th of November, uh, a couple of comments. Firstly, Eli says, I just want you guys to know I comment on your podcast obsessively because every time I listen to a normie politics podcast like Ezra Klein, they're completely insufferably liberal, anti-economistic, anti-materialist. Thank you. Um, that's nice to that's nice to hear, at least in contrast to the other crap. Um, re, re, with respect to uh, the question of uh, neo-feudalism, if we're going to narrow from PMC to clerisy, then we have to be more critical of their objective role. They, meaning the clerisy, mostly don't manufacture consent or ideology de novo. They manufacture resignation. They protect the nonprofit industrial complex, that is academia, NGOs, money-losing media, etc., from mass entry. Whether they're woke or based about it doesn't really matter as long as normies can't get involved and steer organizations towards mass action. Um, I like. I kind of like that mass manufacturing resignation. Yeah, I don't think that fully captures it, though. <clears throat> it's not just about uh, exclu- exclusion or um, kind of managing boundaries. I think there is also a, a kind of uh, an ideological role of maybe not manufacturing resignation, but manufacturing dissent. So like uh, an oppositional kind of seemingly oppositional posture in relation mm. to the status quo that actually reinforces it. Um, but I do, yeah, it's not a bad phrase at all. Um, manufacturing resignation. I think that's a good point, George. I mean, you think about a lot of kind of whatever green politics, which presents itself as oppositional, but isn't really. And it kind of narrows the bounds of what kind of the legitimate opposition might be. And in that regard, um, it does manufacture consent by manufacturing dissent. Yeah, I think that's quite good. Um, Phil, any comment on that? No, you're shaking your head. Okay. Um, well, you'll have your chance to speak. Um, Plecha Zunga says, uh, feudalism as a political form is partially the result of the difficulty of projecting force over a large geographical area, i.e. the state consists of the capital city and its outlying hinterlands, but regional elites continue to hold real power because you just don't have the technology to dominate them completely. Yeah, and I think, just as an aside, I think it's not just a question of technology. Um, what we're seeing is a similar problem when it comes to the internet today. You have big tech and big finance who have access to extremely powerful computers, the proximity to which equals money, power, and influence in our world. To the extent that the state is currently losing an arms race of control over these big con- big computers, server farms, etc., you get feudal-like formations, 
regional tech duchies, neo-Venetian finance powers of New York and London, who have certain formal relationships or intertwinings with real estate, with the real state. Uh, it, is it possible to imagine the state could catch up and re-dominate these regional elites in the new space of internet virtual economy? Uh, Eli just replies to that, saying, if the state started locking down intellectual property produced in universities instead of giving it away, yes, a lot of tech R&D is basically parasitical on public funding. Phil? I'm not sure. Sorry to jump in there. I'm not sure that um, <clears throat> intellectual property produced in universities is is given away, though. I think the publishing industry would would have something to um, to say about that if that were the case. Um, I know that the journal publishers are not particularly keen on uh, information wanting to be free. But, but that's um, not yeah, that's sorry, not the only sorry. output, though, I think, right? Like the idea is that there's lots more technology, which is, you know, just speaking specifically of technology that is um, developed in universities, which is then, um, you know, made made uh made profitable in private companies um and the universities don't make money off of that right so all the spin-offs that are made i mean some you know universities do have loads of like kind of spin-off departments directly um you know made for this but a lot of it doesn't get kind of captured then later on yeah no i think so we we talked a little bit about this when we discussed um evgeny morozov's article in episode 305 <clears throat> this like is there a like a misunderstanding of the role of the state in um, discussions of techno feudalism and you know the, the extent to which it underwrites a lot of I think as um, as Eli says a lot of kind of R and D is really underwritten um, by the state or it's parasitical on on public funding because <clears throat> why not why why not uh, get um, engage in a process of you know privatizing some of these these public gains rather than taking the risk to engage in that R&D yourself. And it's not just and it's not just that, right? Because I mean it it's the internet it's the enmeshing with the security state, Silicon Valley and the security state and the way that whole thing works. So I I mean I don't know about the claim that that you know the internet is particularly feudal today. I mean that might have been the case before, but especially with escalating geopolitical conflict, that would, you know, that China has its own kind of sealed off internet and that seems to be especially with increasing kind of cyber warfare between regional blocks, as does Russia, um, be between these regional blocks will lead to increasing kind of state control or, well, or that's kind why, of fencing off yeah, of the internet. That's why I wonder if um, Eli's kind of response perhaps um, misses the thrust of Pledger Zunga's um, comment, which seems to me it's less about the kind of, you know, the... Um, the structure of R&D funding and um, public-private subsidies and what have you to... Um, to internet companies so much as um, questions of private versus public control. And I suppose in addition to the geopolitical fragmentation of the internet, which is, um, you know, something that gets spattered about quite a bit now, uh, there's also the just the sheer level of political coordination, I think, between um, not only kind of the deep state, it seems to me, but also the upper echelons of political parties. I mean, some of the stuff that came out in the backwash of Musk's takeover of Twitter, for instance, um, is pretty striking, right? I mean, um, you know, leaked comments about how determined the White House was to contain the backwash of um, of losing, you know, effectively losing uh, the control or that they previously had of Twitter. Um, personal comments, you know, by um, Joe Biden himself. And so, you know, it seems to me that level of coordination is um, political kind of control and coordination, which isn't state 
isn't state heavy handedness, but kind of spontaneous affinity and interconnection. And a lot of this is the argument that Thomas Fatsy has made. A lot of the groundwork for that was institutionalized and formalized in the course of the lockdown, where um, many Internet companies were very happy to um, participate in, you know, kind of policing information, public information, publicly available information about the spread of and origins of the pandemic and, um, you know, uh, the rollout of vaccines and what have you. So, I'm, you know, that doesn't speak to me to the kind of um, fragmentation that Pletcher Zunger indicates. It seems instead to me to speak to, um, you know, large monopolistic structures that are very closely intertwined if not with the entirety of the state, then at least with um, fragments, you know, important kind of fragments of the state in, in the West, not to mention mm -hmm. in China and in Russia as well. Yeah. So just on this, on Musk and Twitter, in, in this kind of context, is 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 Elon Musk the the kind of the Cromwell figure, like attacking the the old um, kind of accumulated powers of the uh, of the feudal Twitter <laughs> um, court? I don't know. Does this make sense? That is a fucking slander on the great Lord Protector George. And as I a gammon, as a um, gammon, Elon Musk I would was have the great Lord Protector. He's not. That's the point. So, as a gammon, you know, I'd expect you to show more fucking respect for the leader of our, for the dead, uh, unfortunately, and distant leader of our republic. <laughs> I mean, if he wasn't dead by this point, he would be a little bit advanced <laughs> in age potentially. Anyway um let's get let's get cracking on uh, the main matter at hand which is the question of artificial intelligence so i'll hand over to george hey there you've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons if you'd like to join us and gain access to around two patreon exclusive episodes a month please go to patreon.com slash we'd love to have you